This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. It is one of the most tragic things that have happened to us. Apparently, Ben and Ronnie have talked about this happening a lot. Their first episode wasn't the first episode. So our second episode is really our third episode. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So what happened, Noor? What happened? Why are we in the position that we are in? Why do we sound like this? (laughs) Welcome to the actually third episode of The Reality Is. Third episode, second episode. Yeah, that's Arthi. That's Noor. And you're listening to The Reality Is. The Reality Is, our browser crashed. Yeah. Our browser crashed and took our beautiful beautiful podcast episode that we had already recorded for an hour <laughs> for an hour it went into the in it disappeared into the ether yeah and you sent a very angry note i did a very angry note to who did you send it to I sent it to Daniel Eck because I use a Spotify uh, product for recording this podcast. So you called the manager. I did. I did. You called the manager and you said, sir, this is not what I paid for. Yeah, exactly. I did. I did that. All right. So we're going to take a deep breath and we're going to start over. First of all, we released our first episode and we are so overwhelmed by the response that we've gotten from people. So yes. touched. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody who listened to our pad- podcast and who gave us pointers. And most of it was positive. And people said, my, uh, you know, our sound was perfect and we sounded good, but I still got a sexy, sexy mic that Noor said I should get. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully that makes my sound much, much better. Yeah. But exactly. um but yeah, thank you so much everybody for listening to us. Um it has been quite a ride. We didn't think anyone would listen, but quite a few of you did. And hopefully you'll continue and you'll let yes. us know how we do. Yeah, exactly. Sorry if we disappoint you by releasing a subpar second episode, because you know what? The episode that we just recorded for an hour was quality content it was perfection i'll try to bring the same enthusiasm back yeah into the story. universe didn't want you guys to like have your mind blown on like just the second episode so that's why it just was like you know what? we're gonna scrap it we're gonna we're gonna have you guys start from rock bottom <laughs> right <laughs> okay so on each episode how we'd like to break it up is we'd like to start by talking about reality tv news and also real life news and then we'll probably be recapping an episode of whatever it is that we've just watched this week so we're, we usually record on wednesday nights last wednesday we recorded and we had to wrap up quickly because we wanted to go and watch the vp debate so my auntie kamala was speaking yes. and I need I needed to be there to cheer her on. How so what did she? you think, Nora? What did you think of that debate? It was all of the things that women of color have to do to deal with working with and sometimes for mediocre men and especially mediocre white men. And it right. was just amazing. It was it was really empowering to see a woman of color uh, be up there and just command her space, demand her respect, and it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, it was. And the the minute the the moment when she said, "I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking," and that was that was it blew my mind because as women of color, we have experienced it where people talk over us. As women, mm-hmm. I think most women have experienced it as well, where men talk over you, especially. 
when they're pontificating and you cannot get your point across or you cannot even say answer the question that's been asked of you before somebody jumps in and talks about it, talks over you. And yes. for her to say, I'm speaking, she didn't even say I'm talking. She didn't say, you know, uh, you are not listening to me. May I speak? Can I finish speaking? None of it. She didn't ask for permission. She just made a statement that I'm speaking and she held up that mm -hmm. hand and I was like, wow, yeah, mm -hmm. that's how you do it. And that's mm -hmm. a, that was a teachable moment for everybody on how to deal with the mediocre white men, as you said, yeah. that don't let you speak. Um, the, the other thing was the fact that he, the moderator kept was asking a question and Pence would not even answer. And that is something that we experience a lot where yep. um, we are asked we ask a question and then we have these colleagues in the room that goes, you know, they go about on a saunter through the woods, through the mountain, <laughs> over the mountains, and they come back and they sit there with a smug smile like they answered the question. And even in that debate, the moderator, she did not press on him and say, no, you, you, I asked you about climate change and you were talking about something completely different. Mm -hmm. You did not answer your question. She never even pressed him on it. And that's something that we do see happen in our workplace where, um, you know, men and especially white men can do a subpar job and still be considered equal or have equal footing and an equal standing with somebody else who does deliver on every deliverable that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Arthur, you had brought this up our first go around of recording this, but, you know, between t Trump and Pence, it's like Trump is an asshole and everybody knows right. that Trump is an asshole and you can identify it and you can say, I'm not listening to this person. The terrifying thing about Pence and men like Pence is that they're polite and they seem, you know, seemingly calm tempered and they are somehow given respect for having that demeanor, even though they're full of shit and, com and completely, you know, completely useless. There's memes that say, I wish I had the confidence of a mediocre white man. Like, right. that is Pence. I said to my husband, I said, if anything, I know that Harris just won the vote of every woman that's had to work with a moron. Right. Like every woman that's had to prove her worth by working with an idiot man at work. Right. You know, who just thinks that he's just the smartest person in the room. Like right. I I love I you know, look, I'm voting for Biden and Harris. Obviously, I think if you're still undecided, you're just beating around the bush before you go and vote for Trump. That's really what it is. Um Yeah, how do you even with all the stuff that has gone down over the past four years, how which issue do you have? that you are confused about, that you need clarification on. What about, none of it. He failed on every account. Your your paychecks suffered. Your jobs have suffered. You haven't been able to, your healthcare has suffered. Yeah, 210,000 people died. Yeah, yeah. Within what what months. part of your life does needs clarification? And he's not doing anything for the common man. He's not doing anything for the middle class. He's not doing anything for some of his rich friends either. Mm -hmm. He's doing whatever he's doing. He's doing it to line up, line his own pockets, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're still undecided, then it's kind of like going to a restaurant and being like, you only have two things to pick from: a tuna sandwich or a shit sandwich. And then just being like, I'd like to hear what kind of condiments are used on the shit sandwich. Like, right? Oh, like, my God. That's such a great analogy. <laughs> like, why? Why, yeah, why? why do you need it's to hear so about it? So I, as, a, I'm, I, as an uber liberal, I don't necessarily agree with every single issue that might be on the table. I don't necessarily agree with everything that Biden, the Biden campaign has going. But you know what? I don't like white supremacists and homophobes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and corruption. Like Yeah, even if you were against fracking and Biden doesn't want to take a stance on it, are you for everything else? What what yeah. alternative is Trump providing? Are you, you? for handmaid's tale life? Like is that what you want? Because okay. that's where we're headed. Um right. the other thought that I had was that Kamala Harris's facial expressions were incredible and they got so oh much God. traction on Twitter where they were like you know, obviously people who just want to pick her apart are like, she made too many faces. And I was like, I love those faces. 
I have right. not seen that kind of incredible passive aggressive expressive facial work since Phaedra Parks. Like, right. <laughs> it was perfect. Which, it was perfect. Which, yeah. So, by the way, if we can go back to the first episode, I'd like to add Phaedra Park to the top of the list of housewives I want back. <laughs> I want People Phaedra hate her. Back. Yeah, I know. I, I think know. she, I, she, I, she's like Ramona. I would love to hate her. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that what she did was real fucked up to Candy. Yeah. But, um, oh, but she sure. did make good TV. She did. She did. She did. Um, speaking of shitty white men, though, uh, Thomas Ravenel, who uh, one point for me, oh I did say God. was the most problematic person on Bravo, went on Twitter and was raging against Kamala Harris and saying all kinds of disgusting things, which we won't repeat. And if you want to see it, you could just he's such a coke head. That was probably a coke fueled like rant of some kind. Ugh, he was oh, the worst. Yeah, he's such he's a racist. Bad. And unfortunately, those same thoughts that he had. I've seen repeated in other Facebook groups by other, you know, piece of shit white men. Uh, right. And sometimes piece of shit white women. Um, it, and, you know, Thomas Ravenel is the exact, he has all the right ingredients to be a QAnon crazy. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he has, he has all the delusions and he has all the failure yeah. that will propel him towards something like that. Yeah, he's the main ingredient of a QAnon biryani. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's the whitest yes. of the white rice in there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he just he soaks up all that QAnon conspiracy theory masala into yes. the whiteness of his white rice to make right. like the perfect QAnon biryani. That's in um, <laughs> other problematic people are news, you hungry Noor is that what's happening <laughs> You're I hungry. am I've been recording for hours okay <laughs> uh, in other problematic news is that pa the pandemic continues but so do Bravo weddings oh, oh my god two weddings which one were you invited to <laughs> neither. neither but I if there was a, if there was not a pandemic, I would love to attend Cynthia Bailey's banger. That looked like a lot of fun. That would have been a lot. There of were fun. two. There were two weddings this weekend um, or last weekend. It was Kelly Dodd's wedding and Cynthia Bailey's wedding. And now, weirdly, even though Kelly's a piece of shit and she's like an anti-masker and an all lives matter and just an overall garbage person, and I'm still shocked that she has a platform anywhere. Weirdly, her wedding was more pandemic approved. But on this week's uh, Potomac recap, Ronnie on Watchokrapens did say that we're calling it pandemic approved, but it was just a cheap outdoors wedding. It, <laughs> it was just people outside. Yeah. Um, but Cynthia's but wedding. Maybe, maybe it was because she invited and nobody showed up. They were all at a Trump rally. You know, you're right. You're right. You're right. All you her know? guests were at a Trump rally. They probably or, got COVID. They were all at home. Who knows? I mean, one can hope. One can only but hope. But Cynthia had a lot of friends. But oh my god, they all showed up with a you know with a shield instead of a mask. They didn't understand how air works in that no, uh, wedding. No, no idea how air works. And I was like, why are you wearing? It was almost like they were wearing a shield for a buffet. Yeah, and sneeze guards. And they were like hoping that none of this is like a sneeze guard. And yes. everybody was wearing a sneeze guard and not really a mask. And yes. some of them that wore masks were taking it off just for the pictures. I'm like, it takes only a second, you idiot. Yeah. And you are not supposed to put on your mask and take it off and put it on and take it off again because you're touching your face. Yeah. Now, the wedding had all the who's who's of all the reality shows. It had 250 people in an indoor venue, some mm. masked, but mostly unmasked. But my biggest problem with it was, I mean, it was all a problem, but my biggest problem with it was the the gem of our hearts, the queen of our lives, Karen Huger was in attendance. Oh my She's God, that made me so scared. I don't want Karen. Karen, what are you doing? Why She's a national treasure and we must protect her at all costs. We and now Karen to took her COVID. God, I hope she didn't get it. But she's going to Ray. I know. She's going home to Ray. But you know, Ray deserves it for the way he's treating her right now. But... <laughs> But and he, but he is older too. This is dangerous for Ray. And you know what? Where was her friend Matt? Where was security? Where was her accountant slash driver slash uh, publicist? He is supposed to protect this woman. 
for all of us and his pay own pay you know paycheck what is he oh doing God. you know that thirst bucket in a room full of bravo liberties was just like karen who karen who that's what he was saying because he, he is probably so had thirsty. he was probably in charge of the security of five other of those uh, housewives and he that's did true. nothing he, so if like something happens to anybody attending cynthia bailey's wedding i blame matt i don't even know what he does for a living do you he think he could get Matt? The I think he's a publicist, and do you he think basically we get him on the podcast. <laughs> what? Do you think we could get him on the podcast? Oh my god, we should try. Oh my god, I, I need to. I need to put Taylor out. Yes, exactly. Into, into Western Maryland and try and find him. He's somewhere there. He's somewhere in you know. He lives somewhere in Virginia. He, he went to school in Western Maryland. I need to find him. He's somewhere in my. I bet if he vicinity. follows Richie, I bet Richie could get him on the <gasps> podcast. Yes, let's get Richie on it. <laughs> Richie is our unpaid intern at this point. <laughs> we are going to make Richie watch no. Southern Charm so he oh can tell God. us what is happening. Richie, Artie, Richie is our Matt. He is our Matt. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh wow! He's our non-accountant, non-publicist, non-spokesperson friend of long That's time. That's right. That's right. Uh, but yeah, get Karen him Huber, to reach out. He yeah. can get Ray, he can get the other Ray uh, trash from Ibiza. Yeah, from Ibiza, he could get him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just hope that Karen Huger stays safe. Got that ginseng girl. Take your zinc. Take your vitamins. Yeah. Stay, stay away from Ray. Stay away from Ray. Ugh. Be safe. Quarantine. Get yourself tested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go lay out in that cornfield, quarantine right. yourself out there. Please be right. safe. Why? Right. That was scary. That was scary to see. Yeah, we want Karen safe. Yeah. The other news was there's a new Real Housewife of New York. So beautiful, um, and she's a woman of color. She's a badass attorney named Ebony K. Williams. She's also a TV host on Revolt TV, and she's. I'm excited. I'm excited for. I'm excited to see what happens when Ramona has to deal with this. And, <laughs> and you know, it is interesting. Horrible. It's like, it's like, this is a long time coming. I know that a big thing on New York was always that they're real life friends and they're not, they're not just cast together. I think to some degree, they all have relationships with each other. So who is her friend? So is she just being cast or is she? No, I think she's just being cast. I think I she's thought Leah. Like, I saw Leah post something with her, so I thought maybe it was a friend of Leah's, but maybe it is like cast and then made friends with Leah. It's possible. Leah also has another friend named Bershawn Shaw, yeah. who I think is in the running as a friend of, and she's another woman of color. And so I don't know how Ebony got on, but I am excited that she is on. Now that I mean, being her said. First- post online was something about uh starting uh, having a curriculum to teach white people about racism and she's like it's not it's hard but i have a curriculum and you can go through it and learn from it i want sonia and um ramona to take that class and it would be awesome to see how they progress through it i know for sure that ramona is going to fail but Sonia might actually pass through that. She's not as white trash as she claims to be. I think that uh, I want them to take the class and I want it to be filmed. Because we talk about this all the time, right? About like we talked about it on the last – I say all the time. I say all the time because we talked about this for an hour (laughs) before I lost the audio. for an hour now before. I was so salty. So we we talked about this last episode and the episode, the lost episode. Um, Yeah. The last and the last episode, we talked about this, that there's so much stuff that like you watch on, we watch reality TV because although they're like crazy ladies, when you strip all of the nonsense, there are a lot of things that happen that are very relatable and you kind of take on as like learning lessons, like how women navigate life, right? And I think that Ramona is a piece of shit, but Ramona is a lot of people's moms a lot of people's grandmas, a lot of people's aunts, a lot of people's older sisters. Ramona is so thing. mad right now for putting all that age on her. Yeah, well, she's ageless, damn it. Yeah, but you know, she's the way that she acts. Yeah. I think a lot of people watch that and be like, yeah, shit, I know people like that and I share DNA with them. Right. And I think as you know, we talked about Southern Charm last week of 
that being too problematic to watch because it feels like they're just putting a Band-Aid on an ish on a show that people have been clamoring about for years, right? Southern Charm at its core was a show about white people who are rich and somebody because of their problematic history of right. owning slaves. They had plantations. Like that they is what pride they in showing showing their plantations off. They too. took exactly your show you showed a culture that took pride in being a culture that thrived off of slavery. So I think there's a bigger problem with Southern Charm and why I feel uncomfortable watching it. First of all, like you mentioned last week, Arthi, you, I don't think that they're going to do much. I think they're going to do one episode and talk about it a little bit about racism and about the Black Lives Matter movement. And they're going to have these two women of color try to like be those people who educate the white people. And, and then I think it it's not going like- to go anywhere. Yeah, and it will be all the stupid Austin and what's her name's, uh, you know, relationship drama. Madison's relationship. And the other thing is, I think that I thought about this today, which is that I don't want to have the same feeling I had when I watched, was it last season of Vanderpump Rules? And you had two people Mm -hmm. who were speaking logic to these morons. Right. And Tom and Ariana and Tom and Ariana were treated like pieces of shit on TV. And here's the problem with it. When you put that on TV, when you have two people who are speaking logic, be treated on TV like they're the crazy people, even though we as sane human beings know that, no, it's Jackson, Lala and Brittany and whoever who are the assholes. There's a lot of people who watch that and say, no, Jackson, Brittany, and Lala are right. And they're absolutely right in treating Tom and Ariana that way. You know, right. there's people that will see that shit and be like, they'd say these horrible things about Tom and Ariana. And they'd be like, well, you know, I think that they're being performative or whatever. I don't want to feel that like PTSD from that again. I didn't like watching it and I don't want to watch that on Southern Charm. But that makes me wonder like how much diversity is there in the editorial teams for these programs? Because I feel like everything can be edited with some balance, right? But a lot of these editing of these shows takes on, uh, they take on a mantle of normalizing this kind of, and making it look like what Jackson and Brittany are saying mm-hmm. is how we all feel and how we all should feel. And it's, I wonder if that is part of the reason too. So you could take Southern Charm. Maybe some people have talked about that being plantation. Maybe that's all edited out. Who knows, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. how much of that is how it's presented to us also? Yeah. You know, when we talk about a TV show like this or any of anything on Bravo being relatable, what we should be striving for is for people to relate with people who are evolving, right? Like, right. I know that if I look back at my opinions that I had, or even the things that I posted on Facebook 10, 15 years ago, it's disgusting. Like, I don't like who I am. <laughs> I don't like that. I canceled myself. My 20-year-old, 20-year-old Noor should be totally canceled. But, <laughs> you know, you evolve and you change and you learn. And then you continue mm-hmm. to change and you learn. You continue to do that work. And I think that's the thing that should always be relatable on these shows is this arc of you you came in as this way and you actually learned and you evolved. The problem is that we have so many people who on camera and off camera are doubling, tripling, quadrupling down like the Kelly Dodds, like the Thomas yeah. Robinals. To be honest, even the Catherines, right? Like these people that are doubling down and like, I don't have a racist bone in my body, but let me do all of these racist things. They're right. not really learning from it. A lot of it is very performative. In the case of Roni, The reason why I don't mind the fact that they've, and my opinion might change because I'm open to listening and learning and changing my opinions because I'm a human being and I can fucking do that. But (laughs) on Roni, the reason why I'm excited for a person like Ebony to come on is because I said we have these women like Ramona in our lives and it's not just exclusive to white women okay even brown people have crazy ramona like undies in our families oh my god we have quite a few i have to be honest that's what most undies are like right (laughs) they're more ramonas than arthies and newers let's just say that i think the the lesson to be learned there when you watch something like that is you see how somebody like ebony can 
put somebody like Ramona in their place, but right. in a different way. Real Housewives of New York is not a show built off of plantations. Right. It's not a show that has glorified the but, slavery so culture. I, th I think at, so. Southern Charm is more like Trump. It's in your face racism, yes. in your face. Uh, plantation talk and you know ignoring uh, the history of it i think new york roni would be more like the pence kind of uh you know that kind of bite your tongue man how are you gonna say that <laughs> how dare you how could you do this to me question mark <laughs> um, but i think no, that's I know true like when I when know. when ramona walks in and walks up to the black man standing looking at his phone and says right. hey can you get me a glass Ugh. of uh, what was that dorinda dorinda did that she like asked for something in the hotel right she just yeah, assumed that was the like, person walked there work oh. there and <laughs> i that is the pens kind of racism that's the pens kind of microaggression and that that's the pens kind of ignoring uh ignoring how you treat people of color around you because yeah. you think you live in a liberal town and therefore you are also liberal you're not yeah it's when you deny that racism is a problem you're denying that you are that it's possible that you could have done something to hurt somebody and at that point you are cutting off the ability for yourself to learn and own your shit and evolve and change right you're saying i'm perfect as i am i'm, I'm infallible and nobody right is. so right um, that's what I kind of like about Roni is that I do feel like there is more of a lesson to be learned there um, rather than Southern Charm. Yeah. Well, we are justifying why we'll watch one and not the other when there's... That's basically what it is. That's basically <laughs> I'm it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> this, I went on a whole thing. All I'm trying to say is don't cancel me for watching Real Housewives of New York, okay? Okay, um, yeah. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, to Potomac. Oh, what a sh what an episode! This was another great episode. Another one. I mean, the hits are like every episode is a hit. God, season. it is the best show on TV. It is. Right. It is consistently. Real Housewives of Potomac has been consistently good since season one. It has yeah. always been good. Yeah. But before we get into the episode, we have breaking news. Uh -uh. A Reddit user. <gasps> yes. A Reddit user. A beautiful human and an angel from God found a clip from season one of the show where Michael Darby grabs a cruise crew member's ass. He looks Very so happily. happy. So happy doing it. He was like jumping. He just came jump. He came skipping in, jumped in and then grabbed the crew member's ass. The crew member seemed shocked and turned around and then he was like laughing and smiling it off. Yeah, like, yeah, man, that's your that's workplace harassment. This is in season one. This is when he grabbed Katie's boyfriend's ass. This is when so all of this has been happening since the beginning. And for some reason, Michael gets to slide. What is up with that? He loves the down under. Like that's what he loves. It's just but that, that's true. fine. I mean, even you know, they can have an open relationship. None of it is problematic. The part part that is problematic is workplace harassment. It's the it's the him ignoring the concept of consent. Yes, and you know, and then a little bit on the cheating part. But she's getting she's getting back on that um, with her um, post now. But but the part about. Um, the fact that he's been grabbing producers and cameramen's butts from season one and nothing has been done about that, that is yeah. that is so problematic. Like yeah. Where where does he get off doing that? I think he totally gets off doing that. Yeah. I think that is what <laughs> he gets off doing that for sure. We know that. <laughs> That's the point. Uh but when I watched it, I was like, Okay, yeah, of course he did that. Like yeah, all right. Yeah, we know. We know. Now we just see it. But it's not like I needed to see it to know, you know? It's like I believe that there's a God and I believe that Michael Darby grabs asses. Like that's, right. those right. are thing two things I believe to be totally true. Yeah. Um, okay, Real Houses of Potomac. So high level overview of the episode. Karen invites Giselle and Ashley to her homecoming in Virginia, and we get to see um what her family is like. There's an emotional childhood farm visit, and we see a whole other glorious side of the Grand Dame. Uh, Robin shares her tax problems, <laughs> and Candace, yeah, and <laughs> Candace 
considers legal action against Monique. So we open with Karen's visit to Virginia and we see her family. Okay, so what do you think about the fact that she picked Giselle? that she's a friend of me with and that she has to prove herself to all every, every season she has to prove herself to Giselle. So she picks Giselle, but why Ashley? You know, I think that she is, I think that she picked the two shadiest of the bunch. Robin is Giselle's hype man, but Robin's not really making a ton of snide remarks. So maybe she is. Sometimes she does. I actually think Robin is very funny, but Ashley is very shady and I think she's very over the top shady. So I think she took two of the shadiest of the bunch. And I think that was like a smart move on Karen's part to do that or production just told them that that's what they needed to do. Like it's very possible that production was like- They had Monique ready to call Ashley at some point. So that that was uh, definitely very orchestrated, right? So yes. Um, but having said that, the whole thing started with Karen in her kitchen getting ready to leave. And that's when she tells Ray that she's <sighs> leaving and she's going to be part of all of this homecoming. And she hadn't had that conversation with Ray until then. And that was so sad that they had such yes. a big disconnect. Yes. He had no idea where she was going and what she was working on. No, I think it's heartbreaking what's going on with Ray and Karen. I think that seeing that relationship fall apart was truly sad. Like anytime you've been with somebody for a really long time, you definitely have those moments where you're out of sync with each other. And Ray and Karen are so deeply out of sync for so many reasons. But right. I think the big reason is something Ashley brings up, which is that when you have an older man marry a younger woman and that younger woman starts to evolve as the relationship continues, the older man doesn't really like that because a 40 or 50 year old man knows what he wants when he's marrying a 22 year old. He wants that 22 year old as she is for the rest of her life. But when you're Mm -hmm. 22, that's not what you're going to be when you're 40 or in Karen's case, when you're 50. And I've seen a lot of older men married to younger women. Some of them have made it work because the men have evolved and changed and supported their wives. And some of them haven't because some, some men generationally, like, like Ray, for example, seems like a lovely guy. Their generation doesn't believe that their worldview about women needs to change or their worldview about their personal life or their wives do not need to evolve. They're not bad people. But this is just the way that they think. It's a it's it's a multi generational gap, really, yes. between the two of them. And you know, the other thing that I think is there's an underlying uh, tension because of what she, she sort of hints at when she's at the church later on, and she's talking about how her parents died six months, seven months apart, and at the, you, we forget that at around the same time as when Ray, the black. Bill Gates, he had all that bankruptcy issues and everything. And this season, we learned that she rescued him with her money. Mm-hmm. And then, so she has resentment based off of that, that she used her money and that Ray, and she expected Ray to show some, and what she's asking from back from Ray is affection and she's not getting yeah. it. So she, it's building up that resentment is building up that yeah. I helped you overcome stuff. And I put up with all of the shit that I had to go through in the media and I gave you money. And when my parents died and I needed to lean on somebody and now that I'm out of that and I want affection, you are acting like, you have you are still asking me to put aside my dreams and be there to cook you a meal and you know get you your slippers yeah and a guy like ray who again don't think ray is a bad guy i think he's a sweet old lovely man but you have to be you have to look at people as nuanced as possible sometimes obviously there's exceptions when you're like a piece of shit like a kelly dodd right but like there is something about the fact that like if you look at a man like ray who seems like a lovely man he he seems like he's made karen very happy for many many years a man like that who can't evolve his worldview of or his view of his wife from what he expected when he married her in his 
50s or 40s is not going to really love the fact that he had to be rescued by his wife. That's not what they're looking for. They want to be the one that rescues that young girl. They want to always be the they will always want, I don't want to say the one in power, but yeah. that dynamic, that power dynamic is shifting. And I think that that's something that Ray's really uncomfortable with. And yep. I, yep. I think yep. it's fantastic television. I think it's really interesting to see. Yes, I think she's one of the most compelling housewives there is. She's Absolutely. perfectly made for TV in terms of her ridiculous over the top, uh, you know, uh, persona as as the real housewife but also there's so much compelling stories around her i mean why didn't we hear about wooden farm before this is like season five right and so why haven't we heard of that wonderful story about how her family had came out of slavery with a with owning a farm and then um you know generational wealth and creating generational wealth and ownership that's awesome. That's such compelling story and we never heard about yeah, it. Yeah. I think it was it was fantastic. I think Karen is amazing to watch. I think she's funny. I think she sometimes makes me cry. Like yeah. I don't want to see Karen crying. When Karen's crying, I'm crying. It's very weird cuz I don't usually react that way to She's like when she TV. said I'm not I'm not sad. It's just a lot of emotions filling up my heart. That's sometimes how I feel. So I was like, oh my God, I feel yeah. like filling up inside me now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, I think that she's fantastic. I thought that whole story, meeting her family, her family seems lovely. Um, I want more Karen on my screen. I want a Karen Huger spinoff. I want to see Karen and Ray at Wooden Farm. I want he Ray on a rocking chair with an iced tea in his hand. Oof. Yeah, thinking I, of in Florida, and yes. I, and you know, it, she goes and her family, familial relationship with her family, it, that seems so natural. It wasn't like, oh, I'm meeting you. I'm just bringing the cameras here. It was like not like when Brandy went to home and her mother wouldn't open her door, their door. Kenya went home, her mom wouldn't let her in. It wasn't yeah. anything of that sort. Everybody just accepted this is who she is. And you take take a look at her night picture from when she was nine and you can see that she thought she was going to be the Beyonce of sorry (laughs) one of the things that I loved about early seasons of Rehusas of New Jersey was that family stuff a lot of Rehusas of New Jersey I found to be very compelling TV because of the family stuff the season where they went to Italy it was interesting to see these people because I'm from New Jersey I've grown up around a lot of Jersey Italians. So it was right. just really cool to like see that life, right? And see the right. difference between the Manzos and the Judices, right? right. Of somebody who is first generation or an immigrant Italian versus somebody versus who's been here for generations. American Italian, yeah. Yeah. And that's I, something that we have as well, right? Yes, exactly. Community. So that's what I love about Rahasas of Potomac is I do feel like they're going more into the family stuff a little bit more. And I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that about Potomac. Now, Karen on this episode alone, first of all, she is just taking me on a roller coaster. Okay. Love her family breaks. My heart breaks for her with Ray heart breaks for her with the parents at the church. Karen at her homecoming parade for one was just chef's kiss perfection. She is looking pristine and periwinkle. She's having her Cinderella moment. She's riding Bentleys, like, kissing my babies. People, my people. And she's oh like, freedom and my people. And she's giving out hugs. She's take, hugging babies. She's hugging the people. She was queen. She was, she was queen in her mind. She was sitting there going down that yeah. little street. And yes. she was queen. And Madame you know, is the bell of the ball. And I'm here for it. I think Karen Huger is actively rebranding Karen's. Yeah. I think that she... Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> she's amazing. Okay. Now she's this, a, yeah, and she this Karen can call the manager. Yes. Happy. I want to see it. Yeah, go ahead. Call the manager, Karen. I will give money to a Patreon if somebody makes it where Karen Huger gets filmed just making calls to managers on behalf of other people. That's the only Karen I want to see resolving any issues with managers and demanding better customer service is Karen here. Right. Right. She also, she looks like Cinderella in one of her confessional looks. (laughs) 
She looks fully like Kristen Wiig in the SNL's um, in SNL's Real Housewives of Disney sketch. But I was like, you know what? This is fitting. She's Cinderella. She grew up in a little um, town and she came up from the farm and now she's, you know, she has La Dame in Tyson's Corner Mall. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she does. It's amazing. <laughs> I love her. All yeah. right. I could go on and on about it. This could just mm. be a Karen Huger podcast I know. For, for all I, I know. Yeah, we are huge fans, as you can yes. tell. Yeah, but that so, was a, that was compelling TV, and there was a lot of it. To this uh, this episode, we had a lot of Karen. Thank you, thank yes, you, thank Bravo. you. But, thank you, yeah. Bravo. But it was a lot, and you know, even Jiz and um, Ashley tried to shade her, but they couldn't. In the end, Jiz had to shed some tears too. She's like, "I understand Karen now." Yes, exactly, exactly. Now we move on to Candace. Um, Candace throughout the episode just has multiple scenes. There are just multiple scenes where it's hinted that Karen is going to press charges. There's a call mm-hmm. that comes from Monique while these ladies are at the farm. And Karen mentions that, you know, I did tell Candace that she should maybe consider pressing charges. Candace has that conversation with Robin where she says Candace she's has a conversation it. with the mother who is she like, on, the mom. only person who can hit you is me with my red purse. No one else can. Yes, exactly. We've got all these scenes of her pressing charges. It's just foreshadowing to what we see also in the preview for next week, that Candace is going to press charges. But more importantly, Robin comes over and Candace serves her the most bonkers spread I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> that really bothered you. <laughs> It bothered me so much. I have so much passion about a lot of things, but the thing that I care the most about is food. And like, and if if Candace's mom is going to beat her for anything, it should be for serving the spread because this is stupid. <laughs> it was from Giant. It was yeah. a food platter that she picked up from Costco that she laid out. But it didn't make any sense. It was a fruit and cookie tray. Okay. Which like, what? What? No, no crackers. Where's the cheese? No crackers. Just- no crackers. But then Where's she had the a cheese? cheese knife in her hand. Cheese knife, but no cheese in sight. What the fuck? And yeah. then she had like a random grouping of fruit, like really random fruits. We have grapes, we have pineapples, we have strawberries, and then we have Milano's, and then you have straight up Parley G biscuits. Yeah, so that was <laughs> that is funny. So Parley G for uh, our non desi listeners is this very common, very cheap biscuits or what we call biscuit there but it's really cookies but they're they're like shortbread cookies that is something that we grew up on and they're the best cookies or tea biscuits to dunk into your chai so if you have an authentic indian experience you have to have a chai and you have to dunk parlogy cookies into it and you have to cook it it's it's an art if you dunk it too long it yes. will disintegrate because it's so soft and it yes. will form a goop at the bottom, which is yeah. horrible. So yeah. You have to dunk it just enough before you take a bite. It's like the Oreo experience for white people. The Parleji chai cookie experiences for us. I'm like violently shaking my head no because you compared an Oreo to a Parleji. To a Parleji. <laughs> no, this is like. No, there's no comparison in no, the quality no. of the cookie. Or what it tastes like. Parleji is way, way superior to in taste. However, it's the dunking experience. Yeah. But you do not have it with fruit for sure. You never have it with fruit. Why would you why would you put out a bunch of dry things with a bunch of fruit? It doesn't make sense. And the fruits are random. Like it just doesn't go. And then on top of that, she has whole ass play settings for all of the stuff. She's got like forks and knives and soup bowls and a charger for like cookies and fruit and robin is like using both fork and knife to take out cookies i was like what robin are you gonna cut that milano what are you doing yeah what use your fingers robin also shares with us that she owes money oh and this was the whole setup right they wanted yes they wanted robin to break it to the audience that she knew this was nothing of a secret and robin is almost smiling as she's talking about it robin's a really bad actress she is she's terrible so what what was more surprising that she had income that she had tax issues or the fact that she had so much income that her due taxes were ninety thousand dollars and that she hadn't paid them yeah, you got to make $90,000 to owe $90,000, as Karen would say. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. then we're like, 
were like, how did Robin make $90,000? So she did, uh, she did uh, this workshop at this, at this hotel around the corner for me. It's a Hilton or something of that sort. And it's kind of run down. The only reason I know how it is is because my daughter has her tennis um, session happens behind it on the tennis court there. She was going to tennis classes there. And sometimes I would go in to pee into the restaurant, <laughs> the hotel. And that's how I know that it's quite run down. And that's where she had her workshop. And so I'm wondering if that is the income that she didn't declare. And the workshop was all about financial, teaching women to be financially savvy. So Woof. that would be perfect if that is money that she forgot to disclose. Yeah, that sounds like Robin. Yeah, yeah. Robin would do that. Robin's <laughs> tax problems are bad, but her wig is worse. That's yes. <laughs> she got a party city wig like I did for this podcast, <laughs> live podcast. Uh, I got it in, uh, you know, party city. <laughs> yeah. That's where Robin, Robin probably got the same one. Between Robin's Hardy City wig and then Karen's Cinderella costume in the confessional, I was like, I got to get my kids Halloween costumes. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bravo does a good job of like reminding you of errands that like you need to do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I know I'm watching this, but shit, I have to actually organize myself for Halloween. Right. Um, Did I pay taxes? Did I? <laughs> yeah. my- Did I file my taxes? We we do have that scene with Juan and Robin that is totally insane. <laughs> was, it was, was cringy crazy. for anybody who's been in a long-term relationship because I think yeah. if any of us showed up like that at a bar, our husbands would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like exactly. the same way that Juan did. Yeah, it was like, what the fuck? Very relatable if you've just been married yeah. for a while. Yeah. All right. Wendy yeah. goes to lunch with her sister, Ivy. I want more Ivy. I liked Ivy. She was funny and she was direct. She was no more. She was not. Um, what was Cynthia's sister again? Cynthia's sister, Mal, is the worst sister Mal. on Bravo. Um, yes. She's yeah. like the Teddy Mellencamp of sisters. <laughs> And then no Ivy, Ivy's great. Anybody other than Teddy. <laughs> oh my God, she's the worst. But, but um, yeah. yeah, I I know people don't like Wendy, but I actually found the whole exchange with Wendy and her sister. Like a lot of people are online complaining about like this just being a storyline. Hey, guess what? The whole fucking show is somebody's storyline. So who gives a shit? But right. I really loved it because – Wendy talking about this idea that your parents standing in the community is solely based on their children's occupation is so such a South Asian concept. It's such an immigrant experience. It was just so relatable for me to see that on TV, to, ha- to see that conversation on a housewife show, because that's not the shit that usually gets shown. Right. And she talks about, you know, what it, this this idea that you have to like, even though you're an adult woman and you're accomplished, and you're a mother yourself, you still very much worry about what your parents are going to say. Like, that's such a, that's such a South Asian concept, and I loved it so much. Yeah, so this is something that we identify with really strongly, because we have been raised to be reflections of our parents' aspirations. We are never, we have never, and it hasn't been like, maybe for Wendy it was, but not, at least in my family, I was never told what to do, but I knew I had to do that. And I knew that just from the aunties talking around me, my parents talking about, uh, you know, where the neighbor's kid is going to college and where are you going to college and mm-hmm. things like that. I just knew that I had to accomplish something to get ahead in life. So you had to do well in school and college and everything to make make a living for yourself. So our parents were always driven to get us to that. So if you are an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer, you get paid, you get make money. So that's what you're going to be. You are not going to become a painter or an artist because there's no money in it and you won't be able to survive. Mm -hmm. So that is where we were pushed. We were never, everything else was hobby yeah everything else is exactly everything everything else else is a hobby you can can spend time on it when you retire but right now you're going to be looking to create a career for yourself and work on it so that is something that I completely identified with Wendy I am also an overly um, educated uh, immigrant who 
probably would have just been would have loved to just be an archaeologist or a painter or an artist but i never picked that up the other thing is that even if i had told my parents that i wanted to do something else they wouldn't have had a clue on how to help me there was mm -hmm. no structure around mm -hmm. that i love that wendy talked about that i love that she talked about like being being told your whole life what your path is going to be and maybe not being forced to but somehow you are conditioned to believe that you need to be no a pressure. successful person I, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of pressure and there is uh, and and you know it seems like she's very proud of it hello we hear about her four degrees every right. single episode right. but at some point you wake up and you wonder to yourself wait is this what i really wanted because nobody ever asked me if this is what i really wanted i was just conditioned to believe that right. this is what i was supposed to be doing and i think that that is such an interesting perspective to see on tv because right. a lot of us go through that i know a lot of my friends in their 30s and 40s who are very successful who have all the things who have a house and great jobs and kids and you know, on paper have all the things that they've ever wanted are now having these sort of, sort of like existential, existential crises where crises where they're wondering to themselves, um, is this what I, what I really wanted? Is this what really makes me happy? Or have I just been told that this is the thing that is going to make me happy? And that's right. why I'm in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> And your therapist is doing a great job. Yeah, that's why I keep making podcasts. <laughs> because <laughs> I need to do the things. You have to do the things that make you happy. And I think right. that that's, and, it's and really you know, cool that Wendy's seeing that. So look, everybody has a beef with Wendy, but 10 out of 10 would recommend Wendy. So um, next scene is my favorite. This whole episode is so good. I'm like, this is my favorite scene. All mm -hmm. the scenes of this episode are my favorite scenes. But Monique's pastor... Oh, wow. Visits. That was awesome. And yes. speaking of therapy, I have to say this is the best therapy. Ser I don't know if I'd call it a therapy session, but this is the best I've seen on Bravo since Dr. Am Amador on Bethany Gets Married. <laughs> and obviously he didn't do a great job because yeah. Bethany is still a maniac. She's but a He at least spoke the truth to her. He did. But Monique's pastor tells her a lot of what, you know, Monique complains about Candace and the other women. And he tells her, a lot of what you were saying about Candace is an actual reflection on who you are. And I was like, whoa, right? Yes. And, and like, again, yeah, I, yeah. this is the stuff. This is the content that I want Bravo to put out about women and how they manage their relationships and how they navigate their relationships. Look, am I going to drag a bitch with her hair? No, I'm not. But has there been times where I've maybe verbally dragged a bitch by their hair? Probably. Yeah. Because I was projecting my own shit on somebody else. And I was thinking that they were thinking things about me when they didn't. And yeah. you assume that they're thinking that. And so you get try yeah. to get ahead of it by dragging them off before they yeah. even say a word, right? So, and what <sighs> he said to Monique was exactly right. And when she was talking about Candias and talking about how she's like, oh, she's, you know, got aggressive and there's so much negativity and he's looking at her with his sure Jan face. Yeah, he's like, bitch, don't try me. Yeah, okay? he's like, um, he has his eyebrows crooked and he's like, um, <laughs> uh, no, not really. And he's, and you know, he also brings up the fact that he talks about how Monique has a past of, having to fend for herself and her survival instinct kicks in and that is something she doesn't talk about enough and that yeah. she needs to address and that is something that he is pushing her to i was like he is a therapist he's not a pastor he's a therapist put he's this so guy good. send him to nini's house send him to cynthia's house send him to candy's house. send him to send him to mary house. to medicine Send him, yeah, send him to Heavenly. I wonder how he would deal with Heavenly on this. Oh, my God. Okay, this pastor needs to host the next Married to Medicine Couples Retreat. Oh, my God. Yes. He was so good. And he was like, no, Monique, think about you have to own your own shit. And she was quiet and, and she listened to him. So I was like kind of impressed with that. Yeah, there's this thing that my that my therapist brought up that I always say to myself, and now I've told my friends and my family about it, which is um, I always ask myself, am I having a private experience? Which basically means... Oh, wow, that's a good one. 
Yeah. Which is like, is this something that's actually happening or am I just assuming that the other person is mad at me? Look, ladies, ladies, I'm talking to you. We've all been there. We've all been there where I'm like, is that person mad at me? Did I do a thing to piss them off? You know, did I, is she actually talking shit about me? Is this, and most of the time what it is, is I'm just, I just assume that people are thinking the worst of me because oftentimes I am thinking the worst of me. Exactly. Exactly. It's your insecurity that's coming through. Yes. And so I'm usually having a private, most of us are usually Mm -hmm. having a private experience. Um, So yeah, Monique had a private experience and she admitted that she had a private experience. And then she says that Candace doesn't deserve it. And I was shocked. But then I feel like, I feel like what's going to happen, you know, it's, it's kind of tragic if you think about it, right? It's like the other women have already pushed Candace to like make up her mind about Monique wasn't remorseful and Monique should, you should press charges and blah, blah, blah. So by the time Monique rolls around to maybe apologize to Candace, Candace yeah. has already made up her mind and she's going to press charges. Right. And so that's what we find coming up is that Candace does press charges right about as Monique comes around to say sorry. So it's kind yeah. of sad. <laughs> it it's really sad. And then since then, Monique has flipped and, you know. Now that now, bitch is crazy. Yeah. Now that she's like. Yeah, now she's like not backing down from what she did. So, oh my God, she's lost her mind. In her Twitter and just her social media in general is so insane to me. It's right. like, so recently there was an article by a really disgusting website called All About the Tea, which is like a gossip Bravo. They do right. a lot of Bravo stuff. Right. And um, Monique liked the article. And so it popped up on my Twitter and the headline for the article is insane. It says, exclusive, Wendy Osefo's Nigerian family cursed, shunned by villagers, plus her massive debt exposed. So I read the article. Okay. And the article is so, so fucking stupid. Okay. Long story short, here's what it says. Okay. It says that Nigerians basically have like a caste system and Eddie, Wendy's husband, ignored it because Wendy's family is lower on the caste system. So to that, I say, good for you, Eddie. Okay. Right. And the other thing, their massive debt is that Wendy and Eddie have lots of student loans because they're in their 30s they have and they have degree. multiple degrees. She alone has four degrees. Talk to anybody who's a lawyer whose family right. isn't rich. Do you want right. to know how much loan, how many, how much student debt they have? A fuck ton. And right. then they're like, and Wendy and Eddie have a gasp big mortgage. I'm like, yeah, it's called living in the fucking Northeast. Like, yeah. In suburbia, too. Yeah. Welcome. They have jobs. They have jobs to pay for it. So don't worry. Yeah, exactly. It It doesn't say that they have a big mortgage that they're, you know, behind on. They just have a mortgage. And then they're like, and they rented for eight years. And it was like, yeah, so, so insane because there's a lot of rumors that Monique pays for a lot of social media websites to post or say certain things. So mm-hmm. All About the Tea has been notorious for getting paid by personalities such as the aforementioned piece of shit, Thomas Ravenel, right? Right. So Monique liking an article like that, first of all, even if she didn't actually pay them to write it or release Did it or Monique whatever. Go to school? Did she even go to college? Did she even have She didn't. Degree? She dropped out of college and she wanted to so be a rapper. How would she know anything about to be a rapper. She's from Jersey. Yeah. Monique is from New Jersey. Um, I don't know why I'm saying that, like, as if it's a claim to fame. I don't want that. But uh, <laughs> but the fact that Monique liked something like that goes to show how little she understands of the world. When mm. you don't have, like, NFL money, you yeah. actually have to get a an education and education is not free and you can't buy a house on cash. You have to have a mortgage and that's normal and fuck a caste system. Right. Right. And like, who cares what villagers back in Nigeria think about Wendy Osefa, the professor at Hopkins? Who the fuck cares about that? Like, (laughs) that was like the most ridiculous thing. And then to have it as exclusive and then being flashing it all over social media. That was like stupid. 
It was so yeah, bad. That, did not, that was a very bad move, Monique. You are not being smart here, but then we didn't expect you to. Small. Yeah, thing. but then again, Monique, you think that 5G towers give you coronavirus. So That's why true. should I expect any better out of you? That right. being said, I do love her on my TV. It's weird. She's an anti vaxxer. Really, <laughs> I feel like, but she's pretty. She, like, yeah, but she's pretty. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> I I go back and forth with Monique because I do think that she is great television, but she's an anti-vaxxer and I am passionately against yeah. that kind of bullshit. Right. And so it does terrify me that, you know, Bravo does continue to give platforms to people who just believe very problematic things. I have a cousin that's an anti-vaxxer. He has like <gasps> three kids, all of them. Uh, so he got a vaccine. His wife got a vaccine. Did. But when they have their kids, they decided they are anti-vaxxers. And he's going off on my WhatsApp groups and the family groups. He's going off on China and how China is to blame for everything. And I'm like, are you? Oh, my God. You're going to vote for Trump, aren't you? You're just too afraid to say you're going to vote for Trump in this group. But you are voting for Trump. I can tell. Yeah. I mean, I had so recent, just this last weekend, somebody from not my family, but somebody's family's family and I know this person and I believe that she's a pretty smart person I mean she's educated and she's got a good job and everything but she was she very casually said I think that COVID is (gasps) man-made and I was like so I was like well those articles have been debunked yeah and she said no I think COVID is man-made and I think Fauci's behind it and I was like (gasps) oh lord Wow. And what's terrifying is like, I mean, she's sitting there and she's wearing a mask. Like yeah. she's wearing a mask and she always wears a mask and yeah. all that stuff. But she's, she's saying terrified these things. of it, but she thinks that she's believing parts of that. Yeah, and she's saying these things with such passion, with right. such with such which with such certainty that yeah. it it was insane to me. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, I was, and then my brother was there, so my brother started laughing. He goes, "Oh shit, you're you're a conspiracy theorist. You're queuing on over here, yeah. right?" And she was like, "Well, you know, I mean, I've talked to my family in Pakistan, and like nobody's really getting sick there." And I was like, "It's about reporting. They don't have a CDC yeah. there, so they're not yeah. reporting it the same way. Hospitals right. aren't getting cases the same way. People are at home and they're dying. I was like, right. they don't have a they don't have a census. And like you they- know what? And they have a distrust of the medical system there. Yes. So they're not, when they fall sick, they don't want to go because they think that they go and they get tested and that's how they get COVID. They're like, oh, if I go for a cold, they test me. They say I have COVID and they keep me in the hospital and then they bill me. Yep. That's what they talk about. They don't want to go. They're like, if I get COVID, I'm going to die anyway. They don't have any cure anyway. So I'll stay home. Exactly. So I think it's. I, and then what terrified me more was, so this person said these things, and I know this person is also going to vote, and they're going to vote for Biden. And so I do always, I always am, am weary when people say, oh, well, you know, if Biden wins, things are just going to go back to normal. And I'm like, mm-hmm. unfortunately, they're not, because these crazy that people Pandora are still going to live here. has been opened, and there's no way all of that plague is going back in. Yeah. First of all, it's not yeah COVID isn't going to go away just because Biden wins right if he wins also these people who now have a distrust of the government or medical or or of science or of medicine they're not gonna go away they're not just gonna like poof disappear they're still gonna be around and now these people have access to a bunch of other crazies on social media who are now going to rally with them and agree to all these things. So once right. the election is over, a person like this person that I saw over the weekend mm-hmm. is going to be they're they're not going to change their point of view. They're still going to have their point of view because their point of view wasn't contingent on Trump winning or losing. You know, right. They believe what they believe. And that's just that is what it is. I mean, so, you know, like with me, I've. I've existed in sort of this pediatric cancer community for a couple of years now. And it's so alarming for me to see other parents whose children have gone through cancer treatment openly post stuff about like, take off your masks and go hug your grandparents. I'm like, oh my God, why would you do that? And their logic is it's not anybody else's responsibility to keep my child from getting sick. 
I'm like, wow. yep, but it's your responsibility to make sure that other people's children don't get sick, right? Like, right. right. And that's the same anti vector thing. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. I mean, they also yeah, are I mean, My kid is not going to get exposed, but your kid could endanger other kids. Yeah. Well, you know that. what? Even our, even like this person who is going to vote for Biden and believes that fucking Fauci made COVID. Uh, there's people like that, and then there's people like all of the guests at Cynthia's wedding who thought that a uh, plastic shield on their face would keep them from getting COVID. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you that I got my degree? My I was given my degree at commencement by Fauci. <gasps> Tony Fauci. I have a you know I have Are my they? cap and gown getting my degree from Fauci. Was it actually Fauci or was it Brad Pitt as Fauci? I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so Brad Pitt would be like three feet. Taller than Fauci. I mean, he's <laughs> a little guy, know. right? Fauci, I think he's adorable. Yeah, Fauci's a tiny guy, but you know what? I feel like he's got like George Stephanopoulos energy. He does, and right? He gives- and I'm like into George yeah. Stephanopoulos, so I'm like, am I into Fauci? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Um, that's newer. Yes. Wait, before we do that, please follow us and uh, tweet at us and like and subscribe. We're officially on. All the platforms. You got it on app. Yeah, you got it on iTunes too, right? I got it on iTunes. So if you can, please give us uh, rate and review us five star reviews, please. Because like, if you're not gonna say something nice, like just don't say anything. And um, (laughs) (laughs) we don't need that. But if you have suggestions, you can always DM us. And if you are listening, you probably follow us or found us through the Crappins group. So whatever, just find us on Facebook and talk to us there. But we're also on. Twitter and Instagram at the reality is pod. So please follow us and, and all that good stuff. Tell your friends, tell your aunties, tell your frenemies. Um, as always, that's Arthi. That's Noor. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.